The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the A-List Podcast. As always, I'm Fonny Lunas, joined by Ashad Blakely and Gary Washburn. I think the last time we spoke was actually right before the NBA draft. So, of course, this week we get to talk about it. We can just start up the jump for you two. What do you two make of the only pick that the Celtics made in the 2023 draft with Jordan Walsh. What do you think he brings to the table? Cause a lot of people were surprised by that one. Hey. I, I mean, I, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not like doing backflips or cartwheels or pulling out with confetti thinking like the Celtics won the draft. The mm-hmm. Celtics won the draft. He's a good player in the second round. Uh, but it, the impression I got from, from Boston and just the way they approached it was this was a draft not so much about acquiring talent, but acquiring assets down the road. And they did that. I mean, they leave the draft with a player that I think over time could be a decent rotational guy for them uh, in Jordan Walsh. And they get four second-round picks uh, overall total. And so that, you know, it, it's an okay night. But if you think about it, it's not like this team had significant needs that they were going to look to address through the draft anyway. So I, I get why Brad Stevens decided to take more of a let's just get some assets and keep it moving uh, approach versus let's try to, you know, somehow make some noise in the draft. Because really, after the top two, three picks, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of difference between players number four versus player number 44 in a draft. I'm not sure there's a significant drop off in that regard. So it was OK. Now. It was a meh kind of draft for the Celtics for me. Yeah, I mean, um, they had a lot of options. Uh, they had the 25th pick they got from Memphis. I think a, people, a lot of people thought they were going to use that pick, but obviously I don't think they wanted a guaranteed first-round contract. Um, and they passed up on some pretty good players, uh, a couple of Sherrod's guys, one of my guys who they, who they uh, actually drafted for Detroit, which is Marcus Sasser, because they dropped down in the, in the, in the, to the second round. And they, they dropped to the 38th and 39th picks, and they ended up trading the 39th pick. Kid from Washington State, um, they traded him too. But I think Jordan Walsh is a project guy. Um, he's a one-and-done out of Arkansas. I mean, as we see in this draft, there's a lot of players who probably would have better served their draft stock if they had went back to school. A lot of one-and-dones. And I think nowadays some of these guys are like, as long as I get drafted, I'm good. I don't care about where I land, I just want to get go to a team and fulfill my dream where you probably cost yourself a couple million dollars in draft stock um, and, and salary by leaving early, being kind of an unproven or unknown quantity or being a guy who's more of a developmental project. So I don't look to see if Jordan Walsh is going to like really help out this season. I think he's going to be probably on a two-way contract in the G League most of the year. And and just kind of developing, just like our friend J.D. Davidson did last year. And we'll see what happens with J.D. this year. But I think, obviously, as we've learned under the Brad Stevens regime, draft night ain't no big deal for him. He'll trade a draft pick, a first-round pick in a minute. I don't think he, you know, as long as I think the Celtics draft in the 20s, he's not going to be excited about the, the draft. And, you know, and I think sometimes people – maybe overestimate the draft. And I think Brad kind of says, well, we're not going to get a superstar at 25. 
although you might in this draft, it's a very unpredictable draft. But I also think he believes we should tr- trade for future assets. We get that future first-round pick in the Marcus Smart deal. We got a bunch of second-round picks for that we can throw in the trades as sweeteners um, in the future. And then we got this Walsh kid who will send the main, we'll put him in the system, and maybe he can help in the next couple of years. And but other than that, not that big, not much of a big deal uh, with Jordan. I've seen him at Arkansas, uh, uh, you know, good defender, but not a not obviously not a long le- resume. Played one year, um, was not the star of the team. Uh, was kind of a helper. So if you're, um, you know, if you're, how I put this, if you're excited, I don't know the real reason to be excited except for his maybe potential. I mean, he averaged seven points, four rebounds, and a steal as a freshman. So, I mean, his best work is going to be in the NBA. That's respectfully, very good. yeah, respectfully, Gary. Uh, yeah, I like no shade, no shade, no shade. But it, I, I think that the point that you made about him that his best days as a basketball player are probably going to be in the NBA. Uh, and the and the the mention of, of JD, both of those guys were like big time recruits coming out of high school, uh, and they did like basically a semester of college and decided we're ready to go. Thanks for thanks for coming out. I think we're starting to see teams like the Celtics recognize the value in these five-star recruits that you can basically develop without being forced to play them in your own system. And I think JD, for example, I think is a guy that's going to compete for playing time this year. Uh, I, I think, I mean, if we're being completely honest and candid, I would have liked to have seen him get a shot to play a little bit last year, more so than we did. Uh, he's big, strong. And when you look at, 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 you know, Jordan Walsh, he's a he's at more physically imposing than I think people re- realize. Uh, he is no shrinking violent. He's he's a guy that and this is a guy that has yet to really go through, you know, the, the maturation that you have when you get to the NBA and the offseason workouts and all that stuff. Uh, he's going to be, I think, uh, a very physically gifted, talented player for them who's going to be best case scenario three and D guy. Uh, he's going to lock up the best wing defender, and he's going to knock down corner threes. That, to me, is like the ceiling for him. And on this Celtics team, to have a young guy who can do that, you will you will take that and run with it because again, he gives he brings value that you don't already have in stock. You don't have a guy that's comfortable being an elite defender who can knock down threes. Uh, and it's even less of, a, of, of something you have in, on stock when you look at the fact that Marcus Smart is gone. So it's a Good addition, long term, but it still doesn't address some of the needs that you have, you know, immediately. But I, I will say, and we'll get into this in a little bit. You know, when you add a guy like Porzingis, that's a different conversation when you talk about things that you've added and the impact of those things on this present day team. So it sounds like, from both what both of you are saying, that Jordan is definitely something or someone to keep an eye on for the future. But to your point about Porzingis, Thursday is when. He'll officially be debuted for the Boston Celtics. What are you two looking forward to from that press conference? And hopefully, hopefully we'll learn from him during that time as well. Yeah, Gary. Well, um, not really much. I mean, I think he'll he'll 
I think he's a personable guy. He's he's, he's a, a guy who's uh, I've seen him in interviews before. You know, you know uh, definitely a, a guy who knows the understands the media game and, and knows that um, some of the things he needs to say and knows the situation that he's in. And I, so I expect him to just say, you know, all the right things. He's ready to win. He wants to be uh, part of a championship caliber team that uh, he's completely healthy. He's ready to play 70 plus games. I expect him to say all the right things that he's playing the best. He, he played the best basketball of his career uh, over the last uh, year or so with the Washington Wizards. So I expect that he is going to say exactly what he should say, you know, give people peace of mind. I think he understands that it was, you know, not the most popular trade in Boston in terms of uh, how some of the people felt about Marcus Smart. Um, so I think he'll say all the right things. He'll give the Celtic faithful peace of mind that, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be ready to play. He'll be ready to play with Jason and Jalen. He'll be ready to be that third uh, option and, you know, ready to help the team try to, uh, you know, pursue their championship championship dreams. I'm curious to hear how he addresses the health-related question. Because you're right, this was a great season for him from a health standpoint. But what was different about this season than the previous ones? Uh, why was he, for whatever reason, be able to stay healthy? And also, I'm curious to see how he addresses the fact that you're going to be the number three at best option. You've never been that far down the, the pecking order, no matter where you've been. From a psychological standpoint, I'm curious that how is that something that he's looking forward to? Is that something that, you know, he's matured to where he can accept that now? Or is that something that he might not be all that crazy about? Because, you know, I think for him, it's a great situation. I mean, when you have that type of skill set, when you're making that kind of cheddar, and they're basically saying there's going to be at least two cats who are going to be ahead of you in, in the food line, and you're still going to get all the food, get all the great stuff at the buffet. You should be cool with that. You should be really cool with that. I, I don't, but see, I want to hear him talk about that. I want to hear him acknowledge that. Yes, I'm going to be cool being that third, that third guy. Uh, and because I, I think about when Kyrie Irving came to Boston and how clearly he was going to be that guy, and he was going to be the guy that lead these young guys, and didn't quite work out that way. Uh, and, I, and I think part of it had to do with the fact that those young guys were a hell of a lot better than he thought they were going to be, and they were a little bit closer that gap that he thought existed between him wasn't quite as wide as he thought it was. And with Porzingis just kind of flipping, you know, conversely, I'm not sure the gap that exists between him and Jason and Jalen is as close as I think the Celtics would want it to be. Because those guys are really good. And while I think he is certainly talented, I'm not sure that that gap between those two and Porzingis is that significantly closer than the gap between, let's say, those two and Malcolm Brockman. And if that's the case, how is he going to handle that? I mean, because everyone is just assuming that he's going to be that third piece. But I'm not sure he's going to be, to be frank and keep it real, respectfully speaking, no shade. I don't know if he's going to be good enough to be the number three for, for this team to win a championship. I don't know if he's going to clearly distinguish himself as the third best player on this team. I think he's got the skills to do it. I just don't know if that's going to translate into stats and impact, which is really what it comes down to when you talk about him. 
Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to the fir- hit the first home run. All in an app that's safe, secure and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com Boston to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus and over and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Well, that being said, if you don't think he's the third best player on the team, who do you think steps up in that role? Brogdon. I think, I think Malcolm Brogdon could be the third best player. One, because I think the talent is enough to where he could be that impactful. Two, I think he might be playing with a little bit of an edge slash chip this year, knowing that they didn't really want you, you around. They were they had moved on from you, and you are here by default. And I think Malcolm, I think there's going to be a part of him that's going to want to prove and validate he should be here, that he was meant to be with this team. And so I could see him stepping his game up even more so than he did this past season. Gary Washburn up here shaking his head. What, 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 you, what you guys say, Willis? Gary, smirking. I'm just like, yo, you here by default. Like you you're nothing. Like Am I wrong? You're damn, garbage. dude. I ain't going to I ain't going to you for no self-esteem classes. My goodness, man. I mean, yeah. if I, I mean, if, listen, if, if I if, if I said, hey, listen, I'm gonna bring in like Jimmy Joe Jenkins Jimmy and I'm Joe ready to Jenkins. make him part of the show. And then for some reason that don't work out. But I said, But Gary, you here. So Gary, you 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 stay in here. You good, you good. You're going to be feeling some kind of way about my team. If you knew I was planning to get ready for Jimmy Joe Jenkins, you're going to feel <laughs> some kind name. of way. Jimmy Joe Jenkins. Jimmy Joe Jenkins. Jimmy Joe Jenkins. Three the third Jenkins. pick in Triple the 2020 NBA draft. God. But seriously, though, you will, you will be in your feelings, to, a little bit in your feelings about that. And that might be just enough for you to just kind of play with a little more edge, a little edge, a little chip on your shoulder. I mean, but not if you knew it was your fault. Essentially, right? That, but see, that that's a level of self awareness. I just don't think NBA players have. Mm, fair. They never get traded because it's they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. They get traded because another team thinks they can help them. That's yeah. the thing. Well, I don't think Brock did anything wrong. I think he's got hurt in the playoffs. That's what I mean, I and the Clippers didn't want that, so yeah, you can't blame them for the one. Because not there's so much mystery surrounding the damn injury. Mm-hmm. It's never been officially diagnosed. I mean, you know, it was like. It's never been officially released by the team. What the hell it is. If he's going to have surgery, we keep hearing, oh, he'll be ready for the season. There's just so much vagueness that I understand the Clippers being like, wait a minute. Like, if this dude needs like a Tommy John surgery in terms of like his elbow repla- ligament replacement, like that's not a significant, that's a significant injury. That's not, that's, that's nothing to pass up. And you understand the Clippers, the Clippers have dealt with injuries for a they long, know. long time. They know. Including, today. 
yeah, dating back to Blake Griffin, and then it turned out Kawhi and Paul hurt every other game. So they're not trying to acquire another injured player that might not be ready for next season or might be ready halfway through the season. So I understand what the Clippers are trying to do um, in that sense. They still need a point guard. So if I'm Malcolm, he's a member of the Player Association. He's an eight, nine, seven, eight-year veteran now. He should understand this is a big boy league. And this is how it goes. This is how it goes sometimes. We've all been offered jobs because the person who was really offered turned it down. Mm. So do you do, do you do you not take the job? No, man, I wasn't your first choice, man. So <laughs> fuck you. You know, no. I mean, you know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you take the job and you what do I sign? And you run with it because you're like, I'm gonna show you that I should have been your first choice. You play with a chip on your shoulder. I'm gonna show you you shouldn't have even thought about trading me. Mm-hmm. But we've all been somebody's second choice. We've all you know, gotten an offer, knowing that you know, like like my like my girl, uh, what's her name, Kwani, loving basketball, who got that spot on, at USC because old girl got pregnant. Like you know, what I'm saying it's like she ran with it, right? Like she didn't turn around. Old girl's like the only reason you here is who got pregnant. Like Sanaa Lathan was like, yo, I'm about to dominate. I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity. Okay. I got the spot because somebody else couldn't play or was <laughs> injured. But folks, well, if you if you haven't watched Love and Basketball, please watch. Yeah, yeah, great movie. <laughs> but my point is, is that she took somebody's spot because somebody got hurt and somebody reminded her of it. So what? I'm here. So Malcolm, my, and I'm gonna speak Sharad's language here. Uh, Malcolm's checks are still clearing, right? Like, yes, they okay, they still clearing from the Boston Celtics. He's still on the payroll. They still trying to win a championship. So take a week, get in your feelings, man, that ain't right. And then by July 1 or get back to working out and get your rehab in because you got a job to do, brother. So that's how I feel about Malcolm. I understand it's a big boy lead. It ain't, it ain't funny. It ain't right. But we've I said we've all in, in this industry that we are in or have have been gotten an offer because some fool who they consider better than us, turned them down. And so we got the offer and I ain't asking no questions about, well, who else, who else got the job? Who, you know, that's not right. I'll be first. You offered me, I'm taking it and I'm running with it. All right. Looking forward to Malcolm Brogdon, actually, we just talked about him a little bit. Um, but actually, yeah, let's just move on to summer league that's coming up within the next few days for the Celtics there, I believe their schedule starts on July 7th or 8th. 8th. Okay. Thank you. Jordan Walsh will be featured um, in that showcase, so to speak. Of course, JD Davidson will also be a part of the festivities, if you want to call it that. But what do you, it's summer league. We talk about it every year, but what do you think the Celtics will be able to learn? Coach Dobbins is actually going to be assistant coach. Dobbins will be the head coach for the Celtics in summer league this year. But what do you think kind of developments are going to be needed from not only the players, but maybe even the coaching staff as well during this time? Well, the, the guy I'm looking forward to seeing as far as playing is J.D. Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just watching him near the end of the season and just kind of the spot duty minutes he got. Uh, I saw him play in Maine a couple times as well. Uh, I've had a couple of conversations with him. And the thing that jumps out to me, and I, I think Gary can agree with me in this, he's a lot bigger. 
than you would think. And I don't think it's because of this amazingly awesome weight program the Celtics have been on. I think it's because he's just naturally built to be someone who's going to be able to play bigger. He reminds me a little bit of Rajon Rondo from the standpoint of he he has a very uh, kind of diminutive or kind of a diminished size look about him. And yet when you're up close, you see that he, he has some physical things going on that are bigger than you thought. Uh, and JD, I, I think is, I think this is his time to dominate. I want to see him out there dominate summer league. I want him to put, make, you know, Joe Mazzulla really think long and hard about him as that first guard off the bench. He, I want him to put pressure on Peyton Bridge. I want him to put pressure on, you know, whoever they decide is going to be the starting point guard. Because I think from a physical standpoint, I think he's going to be able to compete. And the, the biggest thing, and to me, he's the most natural point guard they have at this point. Uh, you look at some of those lobs that he throws. Uh, you look at just some of the, the passes that he's made in the limited, again, limited time we've seen him. He has a lot of the qualities, I think, that give something to this team that they don't have necessarily as much of as they would want. And I want to see him use those skills. I want to see him stand out in that in summer league. And uh, he kind of go from there. Yeah, I agree with Sherrod. I'm intrigued by J.D. Davis. I have been since he was taken out of Alabama uh, in the 53rd overall pick. And I know, like, you know, it's, it's tough on these guys. It's like you look at these players who could be superstars eventually, but they jump right into the draft. And then they fall in the draft. So now they're kind of swimming upstream in terms of trying to gain a reputation, trying to learn the game. If, you know, J.D.'s another one of those kids that probably should have stayed in school for another year, especially, you know, that Alabama team last year was was nothing to play with. They were a great team. They fell short. They were number one for a long time. You just add him onto that roster, and, and I'm sure it may who knows, maybe he left because they were bringing up a guard in who was going to make take his minutes. Who knows? But, you know, when you have these guys in Jordan Walsh, you have – players who you just want to see develop and you want to see them living in the gym, working hard. And then obviously they're playing against their peers. They're playing the bench against a bunch of guys with one and dones and a bunch of rookies. So they're going to be, they should, like Sherrod said, JD should take a step forward. He was, he was pretty good as the summer league. I remember last summer league progressed. Um, I think he had a 20, 28 point game. Uh, toward the end of the, uh, of the summer league, and he was he was handling things well. So second summer league, he should handle it well. Jordan Walsh, I want to see. I want to see how he develops. Um, I just read some quotes where he said he was kind of stifled a little bit at, at Arkansas, and now he can be free. And this is the the time to be free. And th- thirdly, I want to see uh, Tony Robbins because I don't think I've ever seen Tony talk. So it'll be interesting to hear him yell. Um, commands and all that because he wears a mask constantly wears a mask you know wants to be super safe so you don't you know you give you give tony the head nod how you doing or whatever but you don't see him talk too much so i'll be fascinated to see what kind of coach tony is and and he's a guy who's another riser he's under the brad stevens you know tree he wasn't under he was here before udoka came in so he did not leave with the udoka crew um, but I'll be interesting because it's a good opportunity for Tony. Like, you know, he wants to rise in, in this coaching game and, you know, coaching summer league is another, is a way to do that. So I'll be intrigued and I'll, and I'm sure they'll bring some guy, other guys in who are, um, 
you know, maybe an, uh, an intriguing name or two, maybe a vet, a guy looking for a second chance. We'll see how that, how the summer league roster rounds out. I know um, they're starting to practice later this week. Um, but I think, I think quite honestly, it's going to be just fun to watch. It's always fun. It's a relaxing atmosphere. You know, if you haven't gone to Vegas for summer league, tr- tr- check it out. You can see two games, you know, the gyms are connected. So you can always see, you, you know, it's going to be the Victor Wimbayama summer. So people are going to be really excited. The place is going to be packed that first Friday night. And it will be good to see the Celtics kind of just move forward from last year, get some, see some new guys in, in the uniform and just try to move forward after what was a tough ending of last year. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of uh, the comments about Tony, the thing about Tony that he doesn't get nearly enough credit for is the work that he's put in with Jalen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he works a lot with Jalen and we talk about Jalen's growth and, and, and all the things that he's doing a much better job of and how he gets better year after year after year. Tony Robbins has been there essentially, you know, from the time Tony has been here working with Jalen. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how does he manage a team of, of players as opposed to working and doing really good work on an individual basis. Cause you're right. I mean, Tony and Tony's he's real quiet, but Tony, Tony doesn't dog in him. Um, Tony got he got a legit dog in him, which I, I do respect. I absolutely respect, and I'm gonna leave it right there. But I know for a fact Tony got some dog in him. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I want to address something I've seen on Celtics Twitter because I don't think a week can go by without some kind of drama or made up, if not legitimate, rumors decide to spread across the internet. Marcus Smart gets traded, and I will quote the tweet. And this is not a like a, a source or anything, but this was a fan of basketball, I imagine, that said Marcus Smart got traded. Jason Tatum wrote an obituary while Jalen Brown posted his fit when he was with Jude Bellingham. Hmm, I wonder. So, of course, that tweet turned into drama. And, again, we take Twitter with a grain of salt. But that being said, there was a report a few years ago that they got into a, you know, a little altercation in the locker room. What do you two think of... The fact, I don't think it's a big deal that he didn't post about Marcus leaving. It's just like your coworker goes somewhere else. I don't think you need to have a tribute every time someone leaves, but I'm curious if that raised any red flags for you that he didn't post a goodbye for Marcus. No, I mean, it would have been nice if he did, but it's not like it's mandatory, nor should it be something expected. And the other thing too, is that we don't know where he's at or what he's doing. I mean, when I know he's in the Middle East, according to his Instagram. So <laughs> I don't know about the Wi-Fi. I don't know if, if, if you know, you've got Brock, you know, that, you know, Joe Sway, really bad Wi-Fi in, in the Middle East. Uh, oh, gosh. Because, you know, Joe Sway Wi-Fi is really bad. So I don't know if, if they got better. Not Joe Sway taking them. bullets. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy. Love him. But you just don't know why. And And the thing that I've found with a lot of players is that, there are conversations and communications that are had that don't go public. Uh, there's an understanding between guys that, you know, this is how I feel. And I'm, and rather than just let the entire world know how I feel, I'm going to come to you and, and be very direct. And I, let's just say, I would not be surprised if Jalen had a very direct one-on-one grown ass man, to grown ass man conversation with Marcus. Uh, they had, I think it's very fair to say, a very somewhat complicated but uh, understandable relationship where 
the respect was never an issue. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jalen will be the first to tell you that there are things that he took from that relationship that made him a better player, a tougher player from a mental standpoint. Uh, and, and Marcus, I think, became a better leader for trying to understand where to meet talented players like Jalen uh, as opposed to having them be where you want them to be. Where is that happy medium where you can meet and work together and accomplish, you know, a lot of great things? They both grew tremendously, uh, not only uh, in the framework of the team, but also just in, in the framework of them understanding and appreciating and, and embracing each other for who they are. So, yeah, it, it would have been nice if you have done that. Yeah, but I don't think it's, an, you know, I think it's too easy to say, oh, gotcha, they got drama. That's I, I, I think it's a big nothing burger, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, sorry. Um, I think people are looking for read too much into different personalities. Like Jason's more expressive on Twitter, and Jalen is Jay, You know, Jalen doesn't tweet a lot. He doesn't open up a lot on social media. He's not that. He posts most mostly pictures. He's about his things. brand online for sure. Yeah, his body was like more expressive. You know, Jason. You know, and Jalen might be trying to still digest the situation. I don't know. I mean, I just think people are looking for things to be controversial about. Oh, do they have beef? Like, even if they did, okay, even if, like, they didn't get along over the years, I can't see Jalen being like, yeah, I'm glad he's out of here. I mean, as a friend, you spell, you celebrated with that guy, went through tough wins, you know, excruciating losses with that guy, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm glad, like – you know, even if you weren't like the closest and in the bubble, as I, you know, had, had seen and reported, like they got into it and they had to be separated and they had some meetings and days. But that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, like the bubble is working on we're working on three years. We ago. all went through a lot in the bubble. Yeah, I wasn't even in the bubble. Yeah, we. I mean, it was three years ago now that that happened. OK, two highly competitive players. Uh and after a really tough loss, remember they were they lost the opening game to Miami. They were kind of stunned, just like this series recently. Then game two, they lost again, basically the same way. Remember game one, they had the, like a fifteen point lead in the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. The Heat came back. Jason went for that game winning dunk or time dunk or game winning dunk out of bio, blocked it at the rim. One of the best blocks I've ever seen. And then Miami won that game in overtime. Game two, um, the Celtics again with a lead. Miami comes back and takes it from them again. So they were down 0-2 in a series that a lot of people thought they should be winning and should have won, just like just happened. Mm-hmm. And the locker room got into Guys got into it, were arguing. They were frustrated. They were upset. They were surprised. So if you want to focus on that three years ago and since then, and then, you know, after Jalen was hurt the next year in the playoffs, they've been to the finals and been to the Eastern conference finals for the thing. Jalen is like, Oh, I don't know, oh, man, I'm good. I'm glad he's gone. If that's the case, why wouldn't he send all these tweets out hyping up Porzingis? So happy that we got Porzingis. That's my guy. Like finally a good player on this team. I mean, if he really was trying to troll, if he was really trying to let people know, man, I'm good on Marcus, like if you didn't go all the way with it, 
Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't feel the need to do a soliloquy. Maybe, like you said, Sharadi had a personal conversation, said goodbye, I'm sorry, I love you, we'll be friends, you know, we'll see you next time whenever we face each other, and, and we moved on. Yeah. You know, some people don't have to go public, you know. I mean, I'm not, like, you know, I, I could be per personally, like, if something happens to somebody, when they post it on Facebook or something, you know, you can like it or whatever, or something, you know, I tend to reach out to the person personally and be like, uh, congratulations, except, instead of pushing like, or, you know, I, I, I tend to reach out to them personally. I want them to know, hey, I saw it, good luck, you know, or I'll send them a text or something. So it's one-on-one -on -one as opposed to like, thank you, everybody, or congratulations, and everybody can see that I'm congratulating you, right? Like, some people ain't like that. So Jason had his way. I'm sure he's still digesting the trade. Everybody's still digesting it. Maybe Jalen's just in the Middle East like, man, I'm going to think about basketball when I get back to Boston. You know, when I get back home right now, I'm clearing my mind. I'm figuring some things out. So I think people are just trying to search for a story. He didn't say goodbye in a, an emotional post on Twitter or Instagram. Like, you know, as I said, now, if he had, like, if Porzingis said, can't wait to get started, and Jalen said, yeah, man, love that you're here. You know, this is a great trade. Then, okay. <laughs> we ain't heard from Jalen. So, you know, let's not, you know, let's let's wait on this. I know we're all looking for stories. It's a, it's kind of a, the calm before the storm before free agency starts. So I think folks should concentrate on who the Celtics you know, we can discuss that real quick. There's two guys that just became available. The Celtics could go after three guys. Is 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 uh, Sharad brought one of them up, and y'all tell me what y'all think about these three guys: Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, or my personal favorite, Torian Prince. I've always liked Torian Prince's game. Minnesota did not pick up his option. He's a three and D guy with a. He's a dog. Uh, I thought the Celtics should have gone after him before the trade deadline. He's coming off a, a, a like a major extension, not major, but like, I think he was making like 13 or 14 million. Then I think he signed like a two year, $14 million deal with Minnesota. They did not pick up the option on that contract because they just signed Nas Reed to an extension. So obviously money is probably an issue in Minnesota. So what do you guys think of those three guys in terms of should the Celtics? Because they ain't got a lot of money. Um, should they go after Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, who's now going to be on his, uh, what, his fourth team, his neck, he's been on three teams and they're always got potential, but he ain't really fulfilled it yet, but he's, he's, you could see it and, or, uh, Torian Prince. I am, I got my Cameron Reddish stock from back in the day. It ain't looking so great now. Um, so I'm not sure if I want to, want to invest even more in him um prince is interesting because he, he does give you i think two-way uh versatility um not a he's not a three and d guy per se because i think he can do more than just shoot threes but yeah. he, he definitely gives you uh some flexibility and versatility particularly when you're looking at guys who be coming off the bench Derek rose intrigued me because i still think that he's got some juice left in him uh, and, I, and I he's a guy that you don't have to worry about where his head's going to be at, be at if let's say he plays four or five, six games and plays well, 
and then you just decide not to go with him and he stacks up a bunch of, you know, DMP CDs. I don't think he's at a point in his career where that's not going to just rattle him or frustrate him and make him think that, oh, I don't want to be here. This is BS, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I would probably lean towards one of those two guys over Cam Reddish. Uh, I would not have an issue with either one of them. Uh, if you had, if I put a gun in my head and said you got to pick one, I'd probably go with Prince just because of just the versatility that he gives you. Yeah, I like that pick because Derrick Rose. As much as I would love to see him in Boston, I I gotta push back. I don't I don't know if he's he's still. I mean, he's obviously past his prime, so I don't know if he's necessarily someone that could fit in with the Celtics roster, other than, I guess, the experience aspect. But you can't really rely on him on much, for much, obviously, on the floor because we know he's prone to injury as well. But, again, from a selfish basketball standpoint, obviously that'd be cool to see him here in green. Yeah, I mean, I think Derrick Rose, he could still score. I think, this is, I think Derrick Rose at, at two stages of his career Okay, one, he's trying to win chip. He's never won. Two, I think he's trying to increase his resume. I think he wants to make the I think he feels like he should make the Hall of Fame. And it's gonna be close. Former, yeah. There's okay, let's put that you gotta, Yeah, that's a good yeah. Continue. No former NBA MVP has ever not made the hall. Okay, now could be the that, might, that might change uh with Rose, but no former MVP has ever been left out of the hall. You got to add in Derek's high school career because it's basketball Hall of Fame. It's not NBA Hall of Fame. So you got to add in number one recruit coming out of Simeon High. And then you got to add lead Memphis <laughs> to the NCAA final game, a game they should have won if they hit some damn free throws. I mean, my God, they blew that game. But And then you add in being probably the best, one of the best guards in the league until the injuries kicked in. But he's also extended his career. He's had a 50-point game in Minnesota. Now, I don't know what happened this year in New York, but New York was a weird place. Remember, everybody was lamenting losing Evan Fournier. And True. Evan Fournier signed a four-year, $78 million deal to play with the New York Knicks. And he ain't played with the New York Knicks. He sat on the bench with the New York Knicks. He is useless to them. So you want to know, you want to talk about dodging a bullet or now would he had had a better role with the Celtics and probably, yep. But literally like Thibodeau renders him unplayable. The same with Cam Reddish that we talked about earlier. And for whatever reason, the same with Derrick Rose. So is it that a Knicks thing uh, that maybe Rose says, listen, man, get me out of here. I know I can still hoop. You know, he's 34 going on, I think going on 35. Now, so obviously the legs have seen some better days, but I still think he can provide leadership. I know he was um, in New York. He was kind of a role model for Jalen Brunson um, and some of the young guys. He was not the old complaining. He, I mean, you know, I've seen him before the Knicks Celtic game, drenched in sweat before the game, working hard, just trying to get his work in, being professional. And I think Derek. You, get, you know, Derek's not a dude who's been real talkative over the years. People don't know him very well. Um, you know, he's had some troubles off the floor, you know, years ago. So I think people don't really know. But I think, I've, you know, what I've heard, and I, he's a good dude in terms of his being a teammate, understanding understanding that he ain't what he once was. 
So I think they could look at that. I like Torian Prince. He's still relatively young. He's a, he's a, he's got dog in him. Um, I think he wants to win. He's bounced around, obviously Cleveland, Minnesota. You know, he had a time in Atlanta. So I think. And remember, the option was for seven point four million. So it's not like Prince is going to go on the market looking for fifteen, right? So they might the Celtics. Because right now they got to get frugal. They got the five million dollar uh, exception to use, and they got to be. They got to figure out a useful player to, for that exception. And I know Prince is probably going to. You know, he wants to win. You know what I'm saying? So I think a, a, a wing. They need another wing. I think that would be a good choice. But I also like Derrick Rose. I wouldn't be against that. Cam Reddish. I've seen him, but he just seems like that guy that like with his like. We know, and I was watching, um, I don't know if you guys saw the 30 for 30 on Felipe Lopez and how yeah. damn amazing he was in high school and he never got any really any better, yeah. right? He never grew, he never, I think he got better, but he never got to that elite level, right? Um, where, you know, and he ended up, you know, having an a, a okay NBA career, but never exceeded expectations, I think, Reddish has been one of those guys that was probably his best ball might have been in high school. Now, is he going to be a, a reliable? Four, three teams don't trade a 22, 23-year-old guy unless there's some problems. So I probably would stay away from Reddish. Although, you know, if you want to be young, get younger, get a, a fresh young body in there, it might be intriguing. Well, we'll see what the Celtics do. They still have a lot of time to make some moves. I think that's a wrap on this week's episode of the A-List Podcast. For HROD Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Connie Lunas. Thank you for sticking with us, listening, subscribing, sharing with friends, and we'll be back next week with more. <laughs>